0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chan's house on Thursday, the 12th of September. I'm Jenny Tansey and I'm standing in for Liz Hill, and with me reading the news are Barney, Janet,
1: and Margaret.
0: John Plush is our engineer. Correction, so is Duncan Wynne. Uh, Carol Hartley is working on administration. And this week's copier is also Duncan. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are Woman's car crash horror Man shot in hunting trip Drunk driver's bridge suicide threat Seven Trent fined £5,000 for gridlock Women's Tears Over Alleged City Sex Abuse, and Our Duty to Tom One Year On. And I'll pass the the first article to be read, please, for um, Barney.
1: Woman's car crash horror. I'm a nervous wreck. It's making me ill, says resident after her 12th vehicle is written off. A woman says she is a nervous wreck after her 12th car has been written off in a high-speed crash. Maria Roberts has called for road traffic measures after she has spent thousands on cars after they've been written off outside her home in Tolladyne Road. Miss Roberts, who's 46, said, ''This is one of the worst crashes we've ever had. It's horrendous. All we heard was the massive bang. There were no squeaks from the brakes. I'm a nervous wreck. I can't sleep. It's making me ill. Every time I hear brakes squeaking, I wake up. It's like living on a racetrack.'' Emergency services were called to the crash at around 4 AM on September the fifth. A twenty-seven-year-old man was arrested in Lowsmore after he was seen running away from the scene and allegedly found to be carrying a weapon. The car crashed into two parked cars owned by Miss Roberts and her partner. Miss Roberts claimed she only had her car, which is a Vauxhall Mocker X, for a week, as her previous car was written off three weeks ago in another crash. She's forced to park her car on the road as her property doesn't have a driveway. She leaves her house for work at 4am, adding, I was so lucky I wasn't in the car, else I wouldn't be here now. We're so lucky to walk away from that. It won't be long until someone's killed. When's it going to stop? It's just devastating. It's a huge problem that desperately needs sorting. It's dangerous driving. If a speed camera were put up, it would be a godsend. I want to be able to park my car safely. One resident, Michaela Brooks, who's lived in the area for 10 years, claims she's seen multiple car crashes in Toledyne Road. 31-year-old Miss Brooks said if this happened a few hours later while parents were taking their kids to school, someone would have been seriously hurt. It's quite clear the car was driving fast as it's caused some serious damage. It's stupid how fast cars come down that road. There's been a lot of crashes in Toledyne Road. That stretch of road is absolutely terrible. It's one thing after another. There have been numerous incidents, yet nothing has been done. I've lost a relative to a car crash, and I've seen the impact it leaves with the family. That stupid idiot really doesn't understand the consequences. Residents have created a petition to help prevent reckless driving in the area. City Councillor Roger Berry said, There have been several near-misses on Tolladyne Road. It's a matter of concern that yet another accident has occurred. The County Council need to do something about controlling the speed of traffic. If you saw anything in relation to the crash, contact the police on 101 and quote 435 S of fourth of September 2019.
2: The parents of a teenager who drowned in Worcester have made an emotional return to the riverside almost a year after his death. Tom Jones died aged 18, after disappearing while on a night out in the city in September 2018, during his first week as a student at the University of Worcester. His body was later discovered in the River Severn. His parents, Ian and Vicky Jones, returned to Worcester a week before the first anniversary of his death and said they had a mission to prevent any further drowning deaths. Mrs Jones said, It is definitely emotional coming down here again, especially as it is nearly a year on from what happened. We are so grateful to all the friends and family who have helped us through it, and even people we don't know from organisations and charities that have offered support. A coroner gave an open verdict into Tom's death and said there was no evidence that proved what had happened to Tom. But he said he believed the teenager either went to the river to urinate and slipped in or went down to the water after possibly hearing a cry for help, picked up on CCTV audio and fell into the water. Mrs Jones said Tom's family wanted to ensure that no other family suffered as they had. She said, we have played our part in a tragic way in raising awareness of the dangers of water and we don't want another family to have to go through what we've been through. Tom's father Ian said, we had no idea how much support was out there until we needed it from charities and counsellors. You never know what help is out there until you go through something like this. The couple were speaking at an event to promote the Home and Dry campaign, which seeks to educate the public on the dangers of cold water shock and help prevent more drowning deaths. Representatives from West Mercia Police, the Royal Life Saving Society, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service and the University of Worcester met near Worcester Rowing Club for demonstrations of how to use the line bag safely equipment, ...safety equipment, designed to be thrown to someone in the water who is struggling. The event held yesterday was part of a wider initiative to give members of the public the skills, confidence and equipment to save lives in the water... ...while educating them on staying away from the water. Mrs Jones said, It is a really positive thing that has come out of this and seeing all these people here means so much... There needs to be a really strong message for students in Worcester, not just for this year, but we have a vision for this to be the start of something bigger, promoting this message year in, year out. Tom's disappearance in September 2018 sparked a 10-day search for him. The student had told his parents he was tired and would probably go straight to bed when they dropped him back at university, but he changed his mind and went out with his friends. After several unanswered calls and texts, Mr and Mrs Jones were called by one of the Tom, of Tom, Tom's flatmates saying he hadn't been home. There was an outpouring of grief after his death, with hundreds of people attending a candlelight vigil in his honour on Sabrina Bridge.
3: Uh,
2: right, um, this is
3: under a heading, a Drunk Driver's Bridge Suicide Threat. A 69-year-old retired teacher was arrested for drunk driving after an attempt to take her life at court court heard. Pauline Baker woke up and got in her car drunk and in her dressing gown and had to be talked down from jumping off a bridge before police made the arrest. Emily Kluwer, prosecuting, told magistrates police were called at 11pm on August 17th to the A... 4440 Whittington Road, and Baker told officers she felt suicidal. The solicitor said she told police she had driven to the scene and after they moved her away to safety in a police car, she took a roadside breathalyser test, which she failed. She was taken into custody and at the police station she gave two samples, the lowest of which provided a reading of 52 mm, milligrams in... 100 milliliters of breath, the solicitor said. The legal limit is 35. She has no previous convictions on her record, only a caution. The reading would put it in the lowest bracket for sentencing. Mark Turnbull, defending, said Baker was originally from Cardiff and moved to Worcester in 1997. But he said after her marriage broke down and she retired from teaching, Baker became isolated. What she told officers on the night was that she had no friends in Worcester, in the Worcester area. Her dog died the week before. The dog was her life, her last friend. The day before she went to a pub, had some wine, cider and cider and went home. She spoke to a friend and said she was suicidal. She went to bed, but at some point she recalls waking up and getting into her car and driving to the motorway bridge. Fortunately, people there talked her out of it. She deeply regrets what happened. It is quite clearly out of character. This is the first time she has ever been in a courtroom. I hope you will be able to. I hope you will be able to keep disqualification short, bearing in mind police were called for medical help, and it ended with her getting arrested for drunk driving. Keith Stokesmith, chairman of the bench, said, "The circumstances are obviously distressing for you and." and for us to hear. Hopefully things have got better. Cheeching was an admirable profession. You deserve to enjoy your life, enjoy your retirement, and enjoy it properly. Mr Stokes-Smith advised Baker of Salamanca Drive, Norton, to see if the local village hall had events she could get involved in, so she could meet new people. Baker replied that she would soon be getting puppies to help her enjoy her life. Baker was disqualified from driving for a year, fined £350 and was ordered to pay costs of £35 and court costs of £135, a total of £520, which Baker will pay in full within 28 days. Baker was also offered the opportunity to complete a drink driving awareness course, which, if she successfully completes, will reduce the ban period by 12 weeks. If you are suffering with suicidal thoughts, you can contact Samaritans in confidence for free from any phone on 116 123, even a mobile without credit. Or you can email samaritans.org or go to samaritans.org to find details of your local branch where you
0: can talk to one of its volunteers face-to-face. 7Trent fined £5,000 for gridlock. Seven Trent Water has been fined £5,000 after its delayed work caused gridlock in Worcester city centre. Just days after the Sidbury Road works finished, city motorists were once again hit by lengthy delays with London Road and surrounding roads brought to a standstill on Monday morning. Councillor Alan Amos, who has responsibility for highways at Worcester County, County, sorry, County Council, has attacked the water firm for causing the chaos. The queuing traffic was caused by temporary traffic lights near the junction for Waitrose, where work was meant to be completed at the weekend but went over into Monday. A spokesman from the water company said, We'd like to apologise to everyone who's been affected. The work should have been completed on Sunday but unfortunately ran over. We were carrying out some planned work to help our network run smoothly in the area but can only apologise to commuters. Councillor Amos said... They asked us for permission to do a small job resealing a manhole cover, would you believe. They took it on themselves to do more work than they had permission for and did not tell us about this. This is the kind of attitude we have to deal with, but we have zero tolerance. We are fining them £5,000. Last night, the roadworks were understood to still be there, and Councillor Amos added that they would likely look as fining them again for another full day. It is the maximum penalty we are allowed to give. It seems the only thing they understand, Councillor Amos said. Alan Tidy, Chairman of St Peter's Parish Council, said, London Road area by Waitrose, a large hole dug in the road, not a workman in sight. Over the weekend, Councillor Amos had thanked drivers and pedestrians for their patience throughout a near three-month period in Sidbury to replace outdated traffic light signals. That £2 million scheme had caused heavy tailbacks during peak times, but the worst appeared to be over with only some minor resurfacing, curbing and calibration only left to be completed. Writing on social media yesterday, reader Neil Rogers said, got caught up in the traffic, saw loads of lights, but not one single worker. Andrew Simmons said, queues over River, Deansway, Sidbury, one hour, Lower Wick to Tolladyne."
1: Woman's tears over alleged sex abuse. It's absorbed her since childhood. A woman wept as she spoke about the alleged sexual abuse she suffered from the age of five during the 1970s. Philip Oliver denies the abuse took place in Dines Green in Worcester between 1971 and 1980, as his trial began at the city's Crown Court on Tuesday. The 70-year-old has pleaded not guilty to six indecent assaults against a child four counts of indecency with a child, one count of sexual intercourse with a girl under 16 and one count of attempting to have sexual intercourse with a girl aged under 16. James Dunstan, prosecuting, opened the case to the jury of nine men and three women describing how Oliver put his hands down the complainant's pants when she was aged just four or five. During the abuse, the complainant said Oliver kissed her neck in the back room of a shop tickled her, rubbed her chest, used her hand to perform a sex act on himself, incited her to perform a further sex act on him, inserted an object into her body and had full sex with her, leaving her in pain. The prosecutor told the jury it was exploitation and abuse by the pensioner, then a man of 22. She was still too young to have the faintest idea what was happening to her was abusive, said Mr Dunstan. At one stage, during the time of the alleged abuse, the complainant said she saw Oliver crying. This is a man realising he's fallen into an abyss. It's appalling, said Mr Dunstan. He referred to the potential consequences as ruinous and added it has absorbed her, sadly, ever since childhood. The alleged victim said Oliver, now of Wilson Road, Sherdington, near Cheltenham, had a packet of condoms, but she thought they were balloons and she said he sprayed foam on her belly. The victim described how some of the abuse took place during the Silver Jubilee, and she remembered hearing Elton John songs playing in the background. The complainant reported the alleged abuse to the police in 1993, but no records were available. She reported it again in 2016 when she was video interviewed by police. Oliver was arrested and interviewed telling police officer the complainant's allegations had escalated since she spoke to police in 1993. Mr Dunstan referred to his interview as a fudge. The alleged victim's police video interview was played to the jury. She could be seen wringing her hands, and she broke down several times. She said Oliver had worked in a clothes shop in Worcester and as a milkman, and that he told her she would be a beautiful woman one day. She said, I wasn't treated badly, I wasn't attacked, I wasn't forced to do anything, she said. Of him kissing her, she said, it felt really, really ultra-good, but not at the same time, because I couldn't breathe. The complainant described Oliver as having rough and sharp hands, and how he would leave open his dressing gown, exposing his genitals. The trial continues.
2: A man suffered a gunshot wound after being shot by accident on a nighttime hunting trip. The man in his 50s turned up injured to Worcestershire Royal Hospital in the early hours of Friday morning. He was taken to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, recovering from a serious shoulder injury. The injury is not thought to be life threatening. We understand the man was accidentally shot by his friend with an air rifle during a hunting trip for deer and rabbits. Police have said the man was shot in Upton, but there are no further details on the exact location. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said at 2.09am we were called to transfer a patient from Worcestershire Royal Hospital to the QE. The man had initially self-presented at the Worcestershire Royal. The patient had suffered a gunshot wound and is in hospital receiving treatment. The injuries are not thought to be life-threatening. A West Mercia police spokesman said police were called at around 1.50am to reports of a man being admitted to Worcestershire Royal Hospital with a gunshot wound. The victim, a man in his 50s, sustained serious injury to his shoulder but is in a stable condition. Officers are investigating the circumstances surrounding this incident but believe it to be an accident and are not treating it as suspicious. Uh, a couple were found, sorry, were left stunned after
3: capturing the rare moment a dust devil touched down and spanned through the grounds of a country home. Julie Hayes, 38, and her fiance Ben Lee, 38, had visited Grade 1-listed Hanbury Hall near Droitwich for a day trip on Sunday afternoon. But as they made their way back to the car park of the National Trust property at around 3.30, they were gobsmacked to see the 10-foot twister form before their eyes. Ben was able to capture incredible footage of the freak weather phenomenon, which is caused when hot air rises rapidly through cooler air and usually occurs in arid deserts. Julie, an IT worker from Solihull, said the whirlwind tore around the grounds of the stately home for about 30 seconds before it disappeared out of sight. She added, "'We had just visited Hanbury Hall with my brother and partner, "'and as we made our way back to the car park, "'we could see a group of people looking at something. "'As we got nearer, we watched this mini-tornado form over the path. "'It was an incredible sight. "'It was really bizarre.'" You don't see many things like that. Uh, But this really was a fascinating phenomenon to witness, certainly in this country. It wasn't particularly windy or stormy. It had been a lovely day, and I guess it was just a freak of nature that the weather conditions were perfect for it. It only lasted a matter of seconds. You could see it disappearing over the grass, but it was most prevalent over the path as it whipped up all the dust.
0: A family from Worcester raised money for charity by cycling the length of the River Severn. Duncan Sutcliffe, director of Sutcliffe and Co. insurance brokers, decided to row the river. Sorry, to, to row the river alongside his wife Becky and their two sons. The family travelled from Welshpool to Gloucester, a total of 127 miles for on side advocacy. Although they had initially allowed a week to accomplish this feat, the Sutcliffe family surprised everyone, including themselves, by finishing it in just over five days. Duncan said, We wanted a unique challenge worthy of fundraising, which would also be an adventure for our kids. And canoeing the River Severn ticked all the boxes. It was an amazing experience, but we're most proud of the funds we have been able to raise for the charity close to our hearts. On-site independent advocacy relies on generous donations from patrons, local businesses and individuals to support their work supporting vulnerable and disadvantaged people across Hereford and Worcestershire. Sutcliffe and Co. decided to support Onside advocacy due to the fact that the two offices are located next to each other in Worcester. Kate Harvey, Onside's chief executive, said, although Sutcliffe and Co., has been supporting us for years, Duncan and his family taking on this canoeing challenge in order to raise funds for us is incredible and inspirational. I'm delighted to announce that their efforts have raised over £4,000, with many thanks to all of their supporters. Onside Independent Advocacy was set up in 1993 on the principle that everyone has the right to be a valued human being and to be treated in a just and fair manner, providing support services to ensure fairness and equality for people who may be vulnerable, disadvantaged or discriminated against.
1: Exhibition on the County Regiment. The unbreakable link between the Worcestershire Regiment and its home city will be celebrated on Saturday. This will take the form of a special exhibition and talk at Worcester's Diglis House Hotel in 7th Street. The event's being held as a community fundraiser in support of the Regimental Museum. This now forms part of Worcester City Museum and Art Gallery in Foregate Street. The event includes reenactors, interesting display stands, a sale of military books, and much more. Visitors will be able to explore information on the regiment and the Regimental Museum. They'll also be able to see battle honours awarded, view short film clips of the men in action during the Second World War and hear a free talk titled Your Regiment by Lieutenant Colonel Mark Jackson. He served with the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regiment from 1971 to 2006. Colonel Jackson will speak about the regiment's forebears and its successors as well as some notable episodes in its history and their impact. The talk will feature images of items and events, and also show sites and parts of Worcester today that illustrate the relationship between the city and its regiment from 1694 to the present day. The Worcestershire Regiment can trace its history back to Colonel Farrington's Regiment of Foot, which was raised by a Coldstream Guards officer in 1694. It then became the 29th Worcestershire Regiment of Foot in 1782. 1782. In 1881, it was amalgamated with 36th Herefordshire Regiment of Foot to officially become the Worcestershire Regiment. It has performed heroically in many conflicts over the centuries. One of its most celebrated moments was the counterattack against overwhelming odds by men of the 2nd Battalion at Gellivelt in 1914. The brave counterattack plugged a hole in the Allies' line and it was said to have saved the First World War. The Worcestershire Regiment was amalgamated with the Sherwood Foresters in 1970 to form the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regiment, 29th, 45th foot. Then in 2004, under army reorganisation, this became part of a new Mercian Regiment, along with the Cheshire Regiment and the Staffordshire Regiment. The original Worcestershire Regiment Museum, for many years at Norton Barracks on the edge of Worcester, is now called the the Worcestershire Soldier is now called the Worcestershire Soldier Exhibition in Worcester Museum. It contains unique archive film, personal memories and memorabilia which bring more than 300 years of military history to life. The event at Diglis House Hotel on Saturday opens at 11am with Colonel Mark Jackson's talk taking place at 2pm. Entry is free.
2: The hospice's travelling bench has been installed at a city shopping centre, with passers-by invited to sit and reflect on their life and legacy. The St Richard's Hospice Legacy Bench has arrived in Crowngate Shopping Centre's Bell Square, Worcester, and will remain for about two weeks. The blue and white painted bench bearing lines of verse has most recently been in place at St Andrew's Spire during the hospice's celebration garden campaign in August. Mike Lloyd, centre manager at Crowngate, said, "I'm over the moon that we are here at Crown- we here at Crowngate can host the bench for St Richards. We are proud to be part of the legacy. The bench, painted by artist Katie Hodgetts, has also visited the West Gardens of Worcester Cathedral, the Royal Porcelain Works, and the city's Guildhall." The idea behind the bench is to encourage the community to sit and think about the legacy they would like to leave behind, while raising awareness of the charity's dependence on gifts in wills to fund its care. Tricia Cable, fundraising director at St Richard's Hospice, said, It has been great to take our legacy bench to so many fantastic locations. We're delighted to know now and see it standing proud in Crowngate. At St. Richard's, we know how important it is to talk about and plan for the end of life, but we also appreciate it can be a difficult subject for many. We hope our beautiful bench has offered the community a peaceful place to help open up conversations around the end of life and tackle taboos surrounding this subject. St. Richard's also hopes the bench will raise awareness of its dependence on gifts in wills to fund its hospice services. Currently, one in six patients are cared for at St Richard's Hospice thanks to legacy gifts. To find out more about leaving a gift in your will, visit strichards.org.uk forward slash gifts in wills. St Richard's Hospice cares for adults with a serious progressive illness, improving their quality of life from diagnosis, during treatment and to their last days. It also supports their loved ones. Each year, the hospice team supports more than 3,300 patients, family members and bereaved people in Worcestershire. For more information about St Richard's Hospice, visit strichards.org.uk.
3: Extra trains are a a step closer. Plans that could see Worcester have an extra train an hour travelling to Birmingham and Hereford have moved, moved to the next stage. Earlier this year, we reported on Midlands Connect submitting the plan for an extra train, which is included as part of a variety of upgrades for the region's network to the Department of Transport, asking for an initial 25 million for an outline business case. The plan for the extra train an hour to and from Birmingham and Hereford has now been included in the wider rail programme, Midlands Engine Rail. That scheme is a £3.5 billion improvement pro- programme to transform the region's rail network launched today by the transport body. Civic and business leaders are now calling on Prime Minister Boris Johnson to back Midlands Engine, engine Rail and fund the next stage of its development, which would cost £45.5 million over the next three years. It is also proposed the programme is delivered in stages from 2022. Sir John Peace, chairman of Midlands Connect and Midlands Engine, said in in the Midlands more people are travelling on the railways than ever before. We now need investment from government to allow our people, businesses and infrastructure to reach their full potential and to drive a further boost in passenger numbers. My message to the Prime Minister is clear. It's time you made a long overdue commitment to the future of our, of our rail network. Worcester MP Robin Walker has previously said he would support the bid for funding for more trains, but also called for West Midlands trains
0: to deal with the overcrowding as the immediate priority. A man kicked a young policewoman in the head on her first night shift a court heard. The attack has been condemned by West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner who said he was outraged while Superintendent Damien Petit said it will not be tolerated. The assault happened to PC Molly Smith on her first night shift when she was in her first week of shifts for the force. John Moss admitted assault by beating of an emergency worker being drunk and disorderly and obstructing a constable in the execution of their duty when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Crown Court on Thursday. Emily Kluwer, prosecuting, said police were originally called to Broad Street to a fight between two men at 6am on August the 18th. The defendant was restrained by police who tried to calm him, the solicitor said. He became agitated and aggressive. He hit his head on the ground. When police tried to handcuff him, he resisted arrest and police got him to the floor. He tensed his muscles, he kicked out and hit P.C. Smith's face and upper body a number of times. P.C. Smith suffered cuts to her lip and pain to her arm. He apologised at the time to the officer. The solicitor added the 26-year-old had one conviction which happened nine years ago. Mark Turnbull, defending, said Moss accepts he had been drinking. He went out with a friend. The event moved into the early hours but it came to an unhappy end. Mr Turnbull said the police interpretation of the fight was between two men but he said in fact the issue was with with someone else. Mr Turnbull said things started to calm down but after police returned his mobile phone to Moss and he saw it was smashed and his sister was made to leave, it reignited the problem and the assault. He is not deliberately aiming to his credit, the solicitor said. When they told him he had kicked a police officer he immediately apologised and apologised again in interview. It certainly was not deliberate. He was under the influence when it happened. It certainly was not premeditated. Mr Turnbull said Moss was profoundly dyslexic and had learning difficulties and struggled with his memory so couldn't remember a lot of what happened. Mr Turnbull added that as the offence of assault of emergency worker had been newly introduced, there were no guidelines for the offence. But argued it could be dealt with by a fine. After fifteen minutes deliberation by magistrates, the bench decided Moss should speak to probation, as they were kept. Sorry, as they felt he should be given a punishment of unpaid work. But a probation report said Moss was not suitable, as he would struggle to do the work, and instead argued a curfew was more appropriate punishment. Keith Stokesmith, chairman of the bench, said. You realize you are in court for one reason excess drinking and because of that you lost control you need to grow up and expect and accept more responsibility magistrates placed him on a 3 month curfew for the assault and ordered him to pay 50 pounds compensation to PC Smith Moss of Lear Close Worcester was also fined 212 pounds for the other two offences and told to pay 185 pounds court fees and £90 victim surcharge, a total of £537.
1: Readers have been having their say after it was revealed Seven Trent Water, STW, were fined £5,000 for delayed work that caused gridlock in Worcester City Centre. Motorists were hit by lengthy delays due to the roadworks near Waitrose in London Road on Monday morning. The water firm apologised, saying the work was due to finish on Sunday but overran into Monday. Councillor Alan Amos, who has responsibility for highways at Worcestershire County Council, said STW was given permission to reseal a manhole cover, but did more work than they were supposed to, causing it to overrun. After not telling the authority, they were hit with the fine. The roadworks were cleared by the evening rush hour on Monday, as the firm faced another £5,000 fine. On social media, Steve Higgs said, What happened to project planning and project management? There doesn't seem to be any of the above, or coordination of works to minimise delays, etc. These guys couldn't run a bath. Richard Young said, £5,000 should be given to the people in the queue. Stuart Green said, Is the fine money going to the people who actually got held up, or is it going to the council? Steve Hobbs said, if these works were monitored properly by the Highways Department and over the course of the weekend too, then they'd have been able to keep in contact with 7 Trent in the first place and perhaps this issue could then have been resolved and the traffic chaos wouldn't have happened on London Road. And when it comes to fining, 5k, really? Eli Cameron said, watch everyone's water bills go up a few pence to cover it. Sarah-Jane Clark added, so that £5,000 you find them will now be ploughed back into our bills, making them higher. Well done, Worcester City Council.
2: A unit that has lain empty in Worcester's Cathedral Square since its redevelopment was completed more than two years ago will finally open as a burger restaurant. Leading fast food chain Five Guys is set to open its first restaurant in the county on Monday. Five Guys will be serving custom burgers and milkshakes as well as chips cooked in peanut oil. Worcester City Councillor Adrian Gregson said, "...the development at Cathedral Square has proved very successful and it was unfortunate the unit where Five Guys is now based was empty for a number of years." There are ups and downs to chain restaurants, but I welcome it to the city and it demonstrates a national interest in Worcester's day and nighttime economy. I've not been into Five Guys yet, but I've been to all the other American restaurants, so I'm sure I'll be visiting at some point to sample the menu. Sharon Smith, chief Chief executive at Hereford and Worcestershire Chamber of Commerce, said it's a fantastic to see Restaurant giants like Five Guys seeing Worcester as a destination to expand and invest in. Despite the uncertainty for businesses in the wake of the latest Brexit happenings, Five Guys' move to the city brings with it the welcome news that more rural cities are still seen as attractive to tourists outside of the UK. The continued growth of Worcester ensures that the county remains a great place to live, play and do business by attracting visitors from nearby towns and further across the pond. The restaurant will open on Monday September the 9th and up until then the nearest Five Guys restaurants are in Birmingham and Briarley Hill. Five Guys opened its first store in the UK in 2013 and now has 95 stores across the country. The unit in Cathedral Square was originally set to be Byron Burgers, but the chain pulled out in 2018, blaming restructuring for its failure to open the store.
3: This under a heading of Council's Pool Failures. Failures by the City Council to properly prepare for the demolition of a former city swimming pool have been revealed in a report. An internal audit over decisions made about the future of Sansom Walk Swimming Pool, said Worcester City Council, did not do enough to set out the risks of demolition and the asbestos-filled building and failed to review the project properly or frequently enough. The audit, ordered by by councillors, said the City Council did not include the cost of important surveys to look for hazardous materials in its original budget which it should have done by law, despite knowing the building contained asbestos. The council also put too much focus on the bad state of Sansom Walk as a reason for building well and did not consider the risks properly or look at all the options for the site, the report said. The City Council said it had made several improvements from the lessons Learned audit including the creation of a team to manage the project and a management strategy for council assets and a team to directly manage the council's assets. According to the report, Sansom Walk Swimming Pool was not considered a risk and did not appear on any of the council's risk registers, nor was detailed information about the risks given to councillors during committee meetings, and as a result, decisions may have been ill-informed. The audit said the City Council was not involved enough in the day-to-day running of the project, particularly as costs grew. Yesterday, the City Council said they could not yet give the exact demolition costs, as expert work was still underway, a previous estimate put at £1.9 million before more asbestos was discovered at the site. The audit found no evidence that when the earliest decisions were made the council had any idea of the value of the Sansom Walk site. Auditors said files were disorganized and difficult to locate and potentially sensitive information was unnecessarily duplicated. A council spokesman said Sansom Walk swimming pool has been closed since December 2016 and the city council's sh- and the city council shares the community's desire to get this site back into use. The existence of asbestos in the building has always been understood and the site safely managed. However, the costs of demolition, taking into account of the asbestos implications, were not fully understood. The council has been commissioning expert opinions, which has contributed to the delay in being, be, being able to demolish and then bring forward development proposals for the site. The purpose of the review was to take lessons learned from this
0: complex capital project, so that future councils, council projects, can benefit.: Three business premises in Sidbury could soon be empty, a situation a city councillor fears is a worrying sign for the city's economy. Primo and Delhi Corporation are both due to close, while the space previously housing games workshop has been vacant for over two months. Cathedral wall, Ward Councillor Lynn Denham said at least part of the blame for businesses closing was to go to the low wage economy, the lack of decent public transport. She also felt the ongoing roadworks on the A44 Sidbury to install new traffic lights, which began in June and are due to finish this month, could have pushed any businesses over the edge. Lettings agency Johnson. Fellows said the former game workshop space has been on the market since October last year. A spokesman said, We have got a bit of interest, but no one put an offer forward that's been accepted. They did not wish to comment when asked if Sidbury's business rates or if the area itself is becoming unattractive to any potential interested parties. The game shop, which sold Warhammer figurines and other related products, moved to a new premises in Chapel Walk in June. Louise Fenton, who co-owns Primo Bar and Dining, with her husband Nick, previously said, the decision to put the leasehold on the market is down to significant expansion of their other businesses. They took over the venue from Ali and Yanni Kokaj at the end of last year, who opened it in 2016. That space has also been home to Bindles Bar and Brasserie and before that, the glass house, and was once an antique dealer's. A spokesman for G- GJS Dillon, which is advertising the Delhi corporation at £1,150 per calendar month, said the eatery's owner, owners are retiring after running it for 15 years, when the lease expires next month. Company's house lists Ali Reza Mozadegi as director of Delhi Corporation Limited. The three business owners were unavailable, while the county council responsible for the roadworks and buses did not provide a statement.
1: A toy shop in Worcester is giving unloved toys a new lease of life. The entertainer in the shambles will collect unwanted toys as part of the Big Toy Rehoming campaign. The toys will be given to the Salvation Army for rehoming. The latest campaign began last week and runs until Saturday the 28th of September. It follows a previous collection which found new homes for more than 6,000 toys worldwide. Cary Grant, no, not that one. This Cary Grant is founder and executive chairman of The Entertainer, and he says, "...we are thrilled to relaunch the campaign in September with the continued support of the Salvation Army." As a retailer, we're committed to reducing our plastic waste by extending the life cycle of toys and supporting the Salvation Army in the process. Toys do not need packaging but must have a CE label or marking for safety reasons.
0: That's Sorry. A little
2: light-hearted bit of um, news here and it's entitled Shopping in Bed. Nighttime online shopping has increased by nearly a quarter in the past year, according to John Lewis Finance. Data from the John Lewis Partnership Card, a rewards credit card, showed a 23% increase in the amount spent between midnight and 6am in 2018 compared with 2017. Women are particularly in the habit of shopping from under the comfort of their duvet, accounting for two thirds of nighttime customer purchases. But men spend light, slightly more in the night, at thirty-seven pounds typically, compared with thirty-four for women. Holidays are popular nighttime purchases, as are goods from general retailers and supermarkets, according to the research. The five most popular searches between midnight and 6am on johnlewis.com were number one, duvet covers, two, televisions, three, laptops, four, mobile phones and five, fridge freezers. (laughs)
3: Um, A dog was used as a weapon to savage a man in an attack. A dog was used as a weapon... The savager man during a bloody attack before he was set upon by a gang of four and beaten so badly his skin popped. However, the animal is unlikely to be destroyed and could be rehomed with the owner's aunt if certain conditions are met following this shocking attack in Worcester. Harrowing details were revealed at Worcester's Crown Court yesterday, including photographs of the injuries the victim suffered. We have already reported how a man in his 30s was treated near bushwhackers for dog bites and taken to Worcestershire's Royal Hospital in Worcester after an ambulance rushed to the scene following a 999 call. The case was adjourned despite one of the defendants having travelled by prison transport from Manchester for the sentencing following the group attack in the Trinity Worcester at around 4am on February 3rd this year. The Staffordshire Bull Terrier Cross carried out the initial attack, inflicting bite wounds before he was set upon by a man and three youths, one of whom has since turned 18. All now stand convicted for their role in the attack. Andrew Corns, 35, of George Street Worcester, has been convicted of grievous bodily harm with intent, section 18, and of being the owner of a dog which caused injuries while dangerously out of control. Bobby Watts, aged 19, of Westmount Road, London, is due to be sentenced for an assault occasioning actual bodily harm and a fray for his role in the incident. Watts also falls to be sentenced for unconnected matters from Manchester involving possession of a lock knife and a stake knife. Aaron Abbott, aged 18, of Solent Road, Worcester, who was 17 at the time of the attack, is due to be sentenced for assault occasioning actual bodily harm and a fray for his part in the Worcester incident. Two youths who cannot be identified for legal reasons have already been sentenced to 12 months uh, referral orders for a fray and ABH for their part in the attack in the aftermath of the dog in the aftermath of the dog attack. Ian Ball, prosecuting, said the Crown was seeking a Contingent destruction order with conditions rather than a destruction order. The CDO may involve certain requirements to keep the dog under proper control, whether by muzzling, keeping it on a lead, excluding it from specific places, and sometimes by neutering of male dogs. Mr Ball said of the attack itself, It's kicking and punching by Watson Abbott. ...once the complainant was on the ground having already been savaged by the dog. Daniel Oscroft, for Abbott, said the photographs that had been uploaded to the court files... ...showed injuries caused by Section 18 rather than the punching or kicking which followed... ...arguing that his client's role in the attack was one of lower culpability. However, Mr Ball said it was impossible for the Crown to say... ...whether some of the injuries had been caused by the dog or the kicks and punches which followed. We say a bleeding head is quite consistent with being kicked. In the victim's personal statement, he describes whilst being kicked, hearing a popping noise, which he took to be a further breaking of his, his skin, said Mr Ball, Mark Lister, for Corns, said a request had been made for the police to provide information in relation to a dog handler's assessment of the dog "'including whether it was dangerous or not. "'Clearly that hasn't been done for whatever reason,' said Mr Lister. "'He said he understood the position of the Crown "'was to seek contingent destruction order for the dog, "'which would not be opposed by the defence. "'However, he said Corns would be happy if the dog goes to his aunt. "'Watts was being brought to court from a prison in Manchester, "'but at the time of the hearing still had not arrived on the prison transport.' Corns refused to attend the video link room in his prison when he discovered that Watts had not yet arrived on the transport the court heard. The case was adjourned until September the 25th. The sentencing hearing is expected to take half a day, which will include determining, determining what to do about the
0: dog. The popular Croom estate near Worcester will be opening its doors to visitors for free as part of Heritage Open Days on September the 14th, 15th, 21st and 22nd. The Heritage Open Days are England's largest festival of history and culture, giving people free access and Croom is pleased to be part of this, said Amy Forrester-Smith, Croom's visitor, experience manager. The Heritage Open Days are coordinated and promoted nationally by the National Trust, with support from players of People's Postcode Lottery. The court is a great place for visitors with an interest in art or history and can spend some time exploring four floors of the house with contemporary art exhibitions such as Grace and Perry or viewing pieces from Croom's historic collection. A visit to the small RAF Museum, which tells the story of Croom when it was a secret airbase, is also a must. More information about Croom is at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash
1: Croom. A determined man has spent nearly £30,000 fighting and losing a £100 speeding fine battle and blown his son's inheritance in a quest for justice. Richard Keedwell, aged 71, has fought the ticket for three years, claiming he was wrongly clocked doing 35 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone in 2016 on New Road in Worcester. The retired engineer has appeared before magistrates four times and then took his fight to the Crown Court on appeal. But a judge ruled in favour of the Crown Prosecution Service in August, leaving Mr Keenwell close to running out of options and out of pocket. Richard from Yate in Gloucestershire said it was time to stand up. Why should they be allowed to get away with it? People think, oh, it must be right, it's the government. I'm sorry, that's not quite right. Why shouldn't you challenge? It's the thin end of the wedge. Where does it end? Mr Keedwell was out on a day trip in Worcester when his Nissan Qashqai was snapped by a camera on New Road near to the cricket ground. He decided to fight the fine when he was issued with a notice of intended prosecution, calling on his own experts to contest the ruling, even though he had a clean licence. He claimed there was a flawed reading and told the court the speed camera may have been triggered by a car in an adjacent lane or may simply have been faulty. He said, I'm 71. Why would I want to tailgate the car in front like a boy racer? But Mr Keedwell, who lives in a four-bed detached home, has now spent £28,000 on barrister's fees and court and travel costs. He admits he's had to dip into some of the money he set aside as inheritance with three sons, who question why he's taking the trouble. He said, the eldest thinks I'm mad. He asks, why are you doing this? Why are you bothering I've said it's like anybody fighting something. Sometimes you have to stand up and be counted, but I don't get much sympathy. He is determined to continue the battle as long as his legal team determine there is merit in pursuing such as to a costly high court appeal. But when asked what advice he'd give someone in a similar, poli- but when asked what advice he would give someone in a similar position to him, he said, "I would say very bitterly." Don't bother.
2: Thousands of people flocked to Droitwich over the weekend to celebrate the town's history. Saltfest, which started in 2006, offers a fun, packed weekend for local people and their families to enjoy. The aim of the festival is to provide a day out where people can experience some of the history of the town, wander amongst the displays from local businesses and buy products from the farmer's market and artisan manufacturers. This year saw a massive turnout as the event was overbooked with more than 160 stalls. Stall holders offered produce and services from a wide range of local and regional merchants, craftspeople and food and drink suppliers. Anne Greaves was selling handbags that she'd made herself. It was her fourth year at the festival. All the profits go to Age UK, Herefordshire and Worcestershire and Lurcher Link. She said, It's been a very busy day. It's interesting to see a different layout this year. It's very well organised, and they've done a really good job at organising the event. Matt Thomas from Cybers Snacks, which is a company that sells natural dog treats, said, It's our first year at Salt Fest, and so far, the day has gone really well. There's been a lot of footfall. The festival was supported by a large marquee stocking a range of ales. There were activities on offer for children, such as a duck race and a new all-electric boat was running short canal boat trips. A wide range of outdoor catering was on offer for visitors to dazzle their taste buds. Live music took place over the weekend to suit all tastes in the marquee. The event, which took place from Friday to Sunday, was held in Vines Park, Droitwich. Ben Davis from Black's Cheese in Shrewsbury said, It's been so busy. This is the first time we've been here. The Black's Charcoal Dust Cheese has been the most popular and customers have loved it. A number of roads around Worcester are to be closed to
3: allow for runners in the Worcester City Run, which takes place this weekend. More than 5,000 runners are expected to take part in the event, which takes place on Sunday, September the 15th. Runners will take on either a 10K or a half marathon, beginning in Castle Street before looping round Fourgate Street, Friar Street, Deansway, past Worcester Cathedral, along the river to Diglis, back along the other side of the river, past Chapter Meadows and Blackfinch, New Road, down to Hilton Road and past the university campus before looping round and coming back up Hilton Road and back to the finish line, opposite where the run started. As a result, Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department has announced road closures in the city for most of the day. Signs have been put in place warning road users that the roads will be closed between 5am and 1pm with some shut from 8am and closed until later than 1pm. Grandstand Road and Croft Road will be closed for the longest period, being shut between 5am and 3pm on Sunday. The Butts, Ferrier Street, Fourgate Street, New Street and Friar Street will be closed for the shortest period of time, from 8am until 11am. Bell Lane-Martley Road and Henwick Road, from Martley Road to the University entrance, will be closed from 8am until midday. Roads closed from 8am until 1230 are North Parade, North Quay, College Road, Deansway, Bridge Street, All Saints Road, Worcester Bridge, East and Westbound, Hilton Road, Tybridge Street and New Road. Hambleton Road, Comer Gardens and Fern Road will all be closed from 8am until 1.15pm, Oldbury Road from Comer Gardens to Howard Road will be closed from 8am until 11.30am and Portland Walk, Mill Street, Diglis Road, Basin Road, Diglis Dock Road and Navigation Road will all be closed from 830 until 11.30am. The riverside paths to the east and west between Worcester Bridge and Diglis Footbridge will be in use for the event but will remain open. Residents are advised to take care when using the paths. One half of Diglas Footbridge will remain open during the race, one half for runners, and the other half for pedestrians. The Worcester City Run is organised by the Runs of the North Organisation and sponsored by Worcester based industrial gas firm Air Products, which has signed up to back the Worcester City Runs for three years. The Grace Kelly Children's Cancer Trust is a charity partner. For full details of the road closures, go to stroke road closures
0: A woman suffered significant head injuries after being st- struck by a car on a Zebra crossing. Crowds gathered at the scene outside the costless shop in Lowesmore on Thursday afternoon, with photos showing paramedics helping the patient who was covered with a blanket. The car involved was a silver BMW which was being driven by a male who was breathalyzed at the roadside, though does not appear to have been arrested. The patient was said to be fully conscious while being treated by paramedics. Police are now reviewing CCTV footage to determine what happened. The woman is described by police as being in her late 50s, and she was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital following the incident reported at 4.24pm. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said... It was on a pedestrian crossing. A female on the crossing was in a collision with a silver BMW. CCTV is being viewed to get a better idea of what happened. She was in her late 50s and suffered significant head injuries and required further assessment at hospital. The spokesman went on to say the car was recovered, but no bus was involved as was previously reported. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said an ambulance and critical care car was sent to the scene. On arrival, we discovered one patient, a pedestrian. She was treated for potentially serious injuries and was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Ambulance service crews left the scene at 5.01pm. At 5.30, West Mercy and Police Control Room tweeted, emergency services are dealing with a ser- serious RTC at Lowsmore, Worcester. This is a major traffic route, so delays will be caused. Please find an alternate route. An eyewitness told the Worcester News they believed a woman was hit by a car before the car hit a bus. The police spokesman said that this had not been noted in the incident log. Several readers writing on our Facebook page questioned whether all of Lowesmore in both directions is for buses only between 3.30 and 630 However, the County Council has confirmed it's only Sansom Street through Lowsmore from the city centre that is a bus lane between those times.
1: Worcester has lost a net total of four city centre shops since the start of the year as high streets across the country continue to suffer, new data has revealed. In January, there was a total of 259 shops in the city centre, which by July had dropped to 255, with 10 stores closing and 6 opening, according to the local data company. West Midlands High Streets are some of the most impacted by shop closures across Britain, with the region seeing 2.2% of closures in the first six months of the year, while the national average is 1.83%. Game shops, men's clothes, takeaway shops and charity shops are amongst the hardest hit in the region, while store openings across the UK have fallen to a five-year low. Sarah Phillips, Midlands Retail and Consumer Specialist for Professional Services Network, PWC, said, "...we're seeing retailers operating in an increasingly challenging environment, and this is particularly exasperated in city centre locations where there's a high density of retailers." However, the rate of closures in the region's cities is surprising at a time we're seeing significant investment and regeneration taking place across the region. Last month, the Worcester News reported how part of the city could be transformed after it was shortlisted for a share of £1 billion of government funding. A bid for regenerating the northern part of Worcester City Centre was given £150,000 to develop detailed project proposals and has made it through to the next stage of the Future High Streets Fund. Worcester bid and the City Council are part of the joint bid which says the cross up to Forgate Street Railway Station including Broad Street, Angel Place, Trinity Passage and Queen Street would be rejuvenated. The area currently has a high proportion of empty shops, a poor quality street environment and is a known area for anti-social behaviour.
2: The season of 2019-20 to 20 will be the very first for Ben Humphrey as artistic director for the Worcester Rep. So what can audiences expect as the countdown begins for the season's opener, The Tempest? Ben said putting together a varied programme is a balancing act between valuing established audiences but also ensuring that you are developing new ones. Theatre has to remain relevant to its audience, its artists and its values and that can sometimes be difficult to align. I'm hoping that this season demonstrates that the Worcester Rep is holding on to what works but is also looking to do things differently and with a much wider audience in mind. It's very easy to say, that's not our audience, but I think that's lazy. I'm determined to bring as many people to our work as possible. That isn't just about what we put on, it's about how we do it and what we want our audience to experience. But what can the audience look forward to when coming to see The Tempest? Ben said, something completely different. The Huntingdon Hall is one of the most incredible venues in the UK and this is the first time since it was built in the 19th century that it will have been used like this. The Worcester Reps productions are unique and they can't be seen anywhere else. Once they've gone, you've missed something special and never to be repeated. It's the heart of what live performance is and I find that very exciting. This is the first time Ben has directed a theatrical show at Huntingdon Hall. What challenges is he facing and what are the benefits of the space? Ben replied, The space is a fascinating one and being built originally as a place of worship by the Countess of Huntingdon, it has an air of theatricality, even without a production company in there. Every venue has challenges, even purpose-built theatre. I subscribe to the late Peter Hall's way of thinking I can take an empty space and call it a bare stage. To me, the Huntingdon Hall is just like any other empty space, albeit a very beautiful and unique space. It also has one of the most fantastic acoustics, which means that unlike other site-specific venues, there is no danger that audience members won't be able to hear the actors. The Tempest marks Ben's first time back on stage in over a year. Is he nervous or excited? Ben said, having a year off has been strange. I definitely needed it, but I have felt the pull, especially when I've been directing. I'm a little nervous, and there are certain things that I will need to get back up to speed, such as my voice work. The thing I'm looking forward to the most is being back with a cast. This cast, especially, is a superb one without a weak link. Ben is perhaps best known in Worcester as Dame Ginny in pantomime. Does he prefer pantomime or Shakespeare? He said, in reality, the two genres aren't exactly that different. It's all about storytelling. The dates for The Tempest are September 24th to September 28th. For tickets, call 01905
3: uh, There is a plan for a new memorial in Battlefield. A new, m- more fitting memorial in Gulevelt, B- Belgium, for the Worcestershire Regiment will be installed thanks to k- county fundraisers. Next year, members of Worcestershire Ambassadors will cycle from Gulevelt Park in Worcester to Gulevelt in Belgium to arrive on October the 31st to unveil a new memorial for the Worcestershire Regiment that fought in the Battle of Gulvelt in 1914. Members of the ambassadors, which raise money for local good causes, visited the battlefield this summer. A spokesman said, the visit to the site of the Gulevelt Battle was very poignant, insofar as this was one battle we all knew about, where the Worcestershire Regiment famously defeated the German troops. As we gathered round the memorial and read its inscription, we all felt that the ambassadors could and should do something to try and enhance this site and its signage. The Board have decided that in 2020, our 20th anniversary, we will focus on Gullivelt, raising both funds and awareness. A launch event will be held at Gullivelt Park in Worcester this October the 31st.
0: The city band, Back Together for the first time in seven years, are one of the main draws for this year's Worcester Music Festival. Evil Witch will take to the stage on the final day of the three-day festival which sees more than 250 acts performing across dozens of venues between Friday and Sunday. This year there's also more than a touch of controversy with self-styled two-bit punk band Kildren appearing in their first ever Worcester gig having been banned from Glastonbury. Festival director Anthony Robbins clarified that children were banned for satirically crying killer Tory, but added, we do not advocate violence towards any person or political party, of course. Launched in 2008, the festival is a major community effort, with plenty of people volunteering their time to support the city's music scene, with thousands attending each year. Over the years, it has also raised tens of thousands of pounds for different charities, with this year's chosen charity as voted for by the Festival's Committee from charities who submitted applications, the Worcester Food Bank. Mr. Robin said, "...with music workshops for all ages, as well as live performances in over 20 Worcester City venues, there's sure to be something for everyone over the weekend, spanning all genres, ages and cultures." Performer Nigel Clark from Dodgy added it's a chance to spend the weekend exploring a wild wide range of music while taking in the many splendors of the city. See Worcester Music dot co dot UK for the full list of performers uh, activities and venues.
1: A driver died after his car apparently came off the M5 onto the hard shoulder before moving across the three lanes and hitting the central barrier. The man, in his 50s and driving a black Vauxhall Corsa, was pronounced dead at the scene following the crash between Junction 7 Whittington and 8 Tewkesbury northbound on Saturday around 8.30pm. West Mercia Police is appealing for witnesses and has confirmed the man's next of kin has been informed. Road closures were in place while emergency services were in attendance. PC Carl Lacey from West Mercia Police said, while investigations are ongoing to establish the circumstances surrounding this collision, we're appealing to anyone who may have witnessed the collision or has dashcam footage of the incident to please come forward. Our thoughts remain with his family at this difficult time. Call West Mercia Police on 101 quoting incident number 774S of September the 7th. A teen GB kayaker has spoken of her pride
2: at being able to represent her country with the help of a Malvern tech firm. Emma Witherfield, 21, is a professional kayaker who has recently taken part in the ICF World Championships, where she finished. 12th. She was helped to buy her boat and arrange accommodation by Morvan tech firm Peara, based at the Morvan Science Park. She said, I first started kayaking when I was seven or eight years old at Worcester Kayaking Club. It was actually my sister's idea at first, so we decided to go along. As I got older, I wanted to get more adrenaline, so decided to get involved in freestyle kayaking. My mum had tried kayaking at university too, so she was more than willing to support us in taking it up. Emma is a biology student at the University of Nottingham, training daily in freestyle kayaking with one or two hours during competition season to give her more time to recover and up to four hours in the winter when she is not competing and can devote more time to it. She said, Nottingham and Worcester are great places to do what I do with the rivers and the scenery. Nottingham, particularly, is the home of Team GB's whitewater programme. I wouldn't have been able to achieve any of what I have without the help of Payara. They helped me buy my boat and set me up with proper accommodation. Those are the little one percenters that go a long way with being able to get rest and recovery – For the second year running, Pajara has sponsored Emma, having previously provided funds to help her compete at the European Championships in 2018, where she achieved in seventh place. Emma hopes to achieve a top 20 position ahead of the next World Championships, which takes place in 2021.
3: Um, Moeen Alley and Ricky Wessels rewrote the record books on several fronts during Worcestershire Rapids' Vitality Blast quarterfinal win over Sussex Sharks at Hove. Their second wicket partnership of 177 was the highest for any Worcestershire wicket in the 16-year history of the T20 cricket. It surpassed the previous best of 175, achieved by openers Vikram Solanki and Graham Hick against Northamptonshire at Kidderminster in 2007. The Mowing and Wessel stand is also the best by any county so far in the t- 2019 Vitality Blast. It overtook the 165 by Chris Nash and Alex Hales for Knott's outlaws in their 10-wicket win over Middlesex in Thursday night's quarterfinal at Trench Bridge. Worcestershire's previous best second wicket stand was the 149 put together by Hick and Ben Smith against Glamorgan at Black French New Road in 2005. On an individual level, Moeen has equalled the most sixes, 11, in a 220 innings by a Worcestershire player. He now jointly holds that record with Ross Whitley, Whiteley, who smashed 11 sixes in his 91 not out of 35 balls against Yorkshire at Headingley in 2015. Whiteley recently reached the 106s mark for Rapids in, a T20, in T20 cricket. Moeen's 121 not out was the third highest individual score by a Rapids player in the T20 competition. Tom Kohler-Cadmore... 127 in 2016 and Joe Clark 124 in 2017 are the only players ahead of him with both their innings against Durham at Blackfinch New Road
0: A number of city council meetings will be taking place next week Worcester City Council's Audit and Governance Committee will meet on Wednesday September the 18th at 7 p.m. in the Guildhall the Council's planning committee will meet on Thursday, September the 19th at one30 at the Guildhall. The public are welcome to attend.
1: Budding basketball players from the United Kingdom and Spain came together at the University of Worcester for an annual residential camp. 75 teenagers, including 30 from overseas, attended the week-long University of Worcester Valencia Basket Camp. They engage with coaches from the university, Worcester Wolves and Spanish club Valencia Basket. Camp director Dean Blake, the university's basketball development officer, said it's gone really well. We've worked with Valencia Basket for a while now, so from a coaching perspective, our relationship is really strong and the kids are really good and seem to have gelled quite quickly. A number of the university's sports students volunteered at the camp, where they also had the opportunity to achieve a Level 2 coaching qualification. For the sports students, this is an opportunity for them to work on their craft as coaches and work with different young people, not just from Worcester, but from all over England and Spain, and to learn from the Spanish coaches and how they do things at Valencia, Blake added. Among the students volunteering was business, economics and finance student Inmar Bautista from Spain, who joined the university last year as a result of the partnership between Worcester and Valencia. ''I wanted to be here because I was the first student to join the university from Spain, having taken part in the residential camps myself, and I wanted to show those coming to these camps how they can improve their basketball and that they can do as I did,'' said the 19-year-old. ''Here you have the opportunity to study and play basketball.'' The collaboration agreement between Valencia and Worcester aims to promote the exchange of expertise, knowledge and cooperation between staff in basketball-related activities, including education and youth engagement. Juanjo Rojo, Director of Player Development at Valencia Basket, said we were extremely happy to be at this camp for our fourth year. It's a pleasure to spend this time in this city and share a lot of good things with all the members of the university and all the campers. We found the atmosphere great, as usual. For our players, it's very important to know another culture and way of playing basketball and have fun with other players that become friends. McDonovan, Deputy Pro Vice-Chancellor at the University and Managing Director of Wolves, said, once again it's been a privilege to welcome our friends from Valencia to Worcester. Our partnership continues to go from strength to strength. Following a series of positive meetings during the week, we hope to extend our basketball and education collaboration in the years to come.
2: A new supermarket store could be coming to the city. The Lidl chain wants to use part of the land at the JVM Castings Works on the Droitwich Road for their new outlet. JVM Castings are the largest aluminium pressure die casting manufacturer in the UK, working with prestigious brands such as Jaguar, Land Rover and Bentley. Rob Birch, lead director for Ashfield Land, which owns the land, said... There's a two-acre plot at the front of the site, currently used as a staff car park. The plan is to relocate the car park to another area of the site and build a 23,600 square feet little supermarket with parking for around 112 customers there. He said the potential build would create jobs at the supermarket, safeguard jobs at JVM cast- castings and providing affordable food for people in the store's catchment area. The German supermarket brand already have two stores on Newtown Road and Black Road in the city. Mr Birch added Little identified the site serving a different catchment area to the store they already have on the Black Road. This new store will be comparable in size to that one. Clains Ward councillor James Stanley said, I've not seen much of the plans, but at this stage I'm cautiously optimistic as I know it's just at the very beginning of the consultation process. Job creation is clearly important to many people, but at the moment I'm unsure how the supermarket will safeguard jobs at the works, so I'll be attending the public meeting and doing some more research on this matter. Jeremy Lee, Regional Head of Property for Lidl, said, We are excited at the prospect of opening a new store in Worcester, marking another milestone in our ambitious store expansion programme. We will be attending the forthcoming public consultation day alongside the developer where the project team will outline plans and be on hand to answer any questions. A public exhibition will take place on Friday, September the 13th between 2pm and 8pm at the Purdiswell Young People's Leisure Club in Worcester. Draft plans are available for viewing from Friday, September 13th at ashfield.co.uk UK forward slash projects forward slash investment forward slash Droitwich Road. Lidl was founded in 1930 in Germany by Joseph Swartz and has around 760 stores in the UK.
3: Boss Alex Gidman said it was a wonderful feeling for holders Worcestershire Rapids to clinch a return to Vitality Blast finals day. Rapids made sure of a place at, at the Edgbaston showpiece on Saturday, September the 21st, via an eight-wicket triumph over Sussex Sharks in the quarter-finals at the first century county ground Hove. A brilliant century by Moen Alley and more responsible batting by Ricky Wessels in a stand of 177 saw Worcestershire over the line. But the bowlers also played a full part, with Moeen and Ed Barnard dragging back sharks during the middle overs, after they had been given a flying start. The county will face Knott's outlaws in the semis, with Derbyshire Falcons playing Essex Eagles. Gidman said it is a great night for the club and for the players after some very special individual performances, but also a lot of team performance as well. It was outstanding and what a wonderful feeling to be going back to finals day again. We've got a chance, that's all we wanted to do, to stay in the competition for as long as possible, and if that means we end up with a crack at it, then happy days. It is a massive win, and it gets us into the finals, where anything can happen, as we learnt last year. We obviously had a tough Red ball campaign, and it gives us something to be really excited about and remain focused about. Those red ball games coming up become really important because the lads need to keep their rhythm. Having said that we can play those games, knowing that we've got a really amazing day to look forward to. This competition is so tough that the four teams who get there genuinely deserve to be there. We know whoever we play against is going to be a very good team, but we are a a very good team. We will respect the opposition, as we always do, but we will focus on our own performances. And if we perform near to what our full potential is, we know we will have a good chance. On the display against Sharks, Goodman said, it was an outstanding win in the end. We had to work really hard for it, particularly with the ball. And then that partnership between Moen and Wessels was just pure class, professional and great execution. Sussex are a great team, but when you get into the knockout cricket, it just takes a couple of amazing performances, and that's what we got on our side. Moeen smashed 11 sixes in his unbeaten 121. Goodman said, he is a brilliant world-class player. You don't play as much international cricket as he has and franchise cricket around the world without being very, very good. I've said a number of times now, that he is a very inspirational member of our group, a wonderful leader, and he is just really good to watch. Wessels repeated the kind of responsible knock he had demonstrated when playing alongside Moeen in the win over Birmingham Bears at Edgbaston. He was finally dismissed for 47 of 46 balls, with Rapids just six runs short of victory. Gidman said, You need that experience. I think they know how to play with each other. When Mo is hitting as well as he is, just let him do it. Ricky was very clever at getting off strike and hit the boundaries when he needed to. There were a couple of good overs when Ricky took that pressure off. He had a couple of overs when he scored 12 to 14 runs. It was a very smart innings, very calm, very calculated, and a high level of execution from both of them. I would add that the bowlers did a really good job to get us that score which we thought was gettable. At one stage, it looks like it looked like they were going to get over 200, and daft as it sounds, 200 was probably about par. Charlie Morris was brought into the T20 side for Rapids for the first time in three years. Gidman added, Moser has been our team player of the year. He works extremely hard all the time so you know he is never going to be far
0: off. And that brings us to the end of our news. Um, just a few um, what's-ons. Malvern Theatre from Tuesday the 24th to the 28th of September is showing Jane Eyre. Um, tickets are on sale twenty four sorry £27, £24. Um, the... Norbury Theatre is showing the Lady Killers on Saturday the 14th, the 19th to the 21st, um, and Stan and Ollie on the 18th of September. Um, we, the lighting up time, sorry, is 7:31 p.m. to 6:36 a.m, and we'd like to wish a very happy birthday to Linda Batcher. Uh, sorry, Bather, I beg your pardon, Linda Bather on the 14th, Anitia Guatama on the 22nd, and Derek Honeybourne on the 28th of September. If anybody has been missed off that list, please let us know that it's your birthday. We'd love to wish you many happy returns. Um, the emergency phone number for out-of-hours medical assistance from 6 until 8 is 0300 123 And the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. Malvern Theatres, with more information on what's on, is 01684 892277. Worcester Live is 611429, which covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. The Worcester Hub number for Council Matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers is 0800. Five 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 one one one, and our telephone number is zero one nine zero five seven six seven seven six six, and our address is eleven Wilds Lane, Worcester WR five one DA. Our website address is www.worcesterTalkingNews.org.uk, on which you can find all the recordings for the weekly news and monthly magazines, and much more. Um, We greatly value your feedback, likes or dislikes, or changes you may like made. Just let us know either by phone or pop a note into our envelopes, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, Just to remind you that the obituaries will be after the final music. And from all of us tonight, good night. Good night. night. Good night. The Psalm 36 verse 1 to 4, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. Um, Patricia Joan Bufton, née Winwood, passed away on September the 1st at Team Court Residential Home, formerly of Jasper Road, Lower Wick. Sorry, former of Jasper Road, Lower Wick. The funeral service is at St. John's the Baptist Church in Whitbourne on September the 24th at 11 a.m. Martin Richard Charles passed away in hospital on September the 4th, age 63. For details of the funeral, please contact Murstow Green on telephone number 1384 49903 Terence Anthony Pugh passed away on 16th of August. The funeral service is to be held on September the 23rd at Worcester Crematorium at 1pm, followed by a committal at the same place. Christine Ann Center sadly passed away. The funeral service will take place at Poick Church on September the 18th at 11.30. Margaret Douglas Woodward, nay Miller, sadly passed away on August the 26th, age 95. The service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 19th of September at one forty five. At the family's request, no black to be worn, please. Richard Bradley... Um, of the 1st of the 6th, 51 to 31st of the 8th, 19, died on August the 31st. The funeral service is to take place at Worcester Crematorium on September the 17th at 2.30. Christine Ann Center sadly passed away after a short illness. Um, the funeral service is to take place at Poet Church on Wednesday, September the 18th at 11.30. Brian Kenrick of Old Hill in Callow End passed away on August the seventeenth, and the burial services at was sorry Astwood Cemetery um, on September the twenty sixth at eleven thirty. Peter Patrick Byrne passed away at home on August the thirty first, age seventy one. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, September the eighteenth, at twelve fifteen. Roy Bladen passed away um, on August the twenty fifth, and the funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on September the thirteenth at twelve fifteen. Doctor Dorian Eddianbury passed away on, October, on sorry on August the twenty seventh, aged eighty two. The Corn Market, sorry, the funeral service will take place at Old St. Martin's on the Corn Market, Worcester, on Wednesday, September the 18th at 10 a.m. Our sympathies to all the families.